I'll start with a quote first. Christianity Today, anyone heard of that magazine before? It's a very, very world-famous magazine. Very, very respected. Indicated that new churches under three years old, new churches under three years old, turn me down a little bit, it's still reverberating. New churches under three years old in America when 10 people, say 10 people, to Christ for every 100 members. So new churches under three years old when, on average, 10 people for an entire year for every 100 members. The older the church, and this is all an article, so don't get mad at me, it's statistics. The older the church, the more this number drops off. A church three to 15 years old will win five per year per 100 members. After the age 15, about three people are one per year per 100 members. When I read that this week, I was like, I don't think that necessarily just applies to churches. I think it applies to us as believers. Do you remember when you first came to faith? What was the first thing you wanted to do with your newfound faith? Anyone else like that? Come on, somebody. In high school, you had, a, you had an evangelistic, passionate fervor to share what you found in Jesus. So I think this, this startling statistic, three years and younger, they win 10 people, which I'm not saying that's anything to even write home about, but it's like better than three. And that the older we get, unless we remember that yes, the kingdom is about a local body and a local family because it is. Almost the whole New Testament is writing clearly to churches, to people trying to figure out how to live their new life in Christ together. Say amen so I can move past it. But what happens is, is before long, we lose our edge. We lose that fresh passion. We lose that, that first love that awakened our hearts, the love of Jesus that rescued us from our sin and from our bondage and it was so real and so fresh we thought everyone around us needed to know about it too am i preaching to anyone today and then somehow along the line our faith becomes about accumulating more content mastering and memorizing more curriculum but we lose the very basic things with which we were most passionate about when we first came to faith which was to show and share jesus with everyone we knew and so the message today and over the next few weeks are very specifically going to be aimed at all of us. But to ask us the question again, if there's something we have found and received in Jesus that is called good news, someone say good news, and that every single person in the planet is a hardwired worshiper believing some form of news, be it good or bad, but if we have the good news with capital T-H-E, then what might God need to do in us to spark in us, to challenge us, to jar us, oh, I don't know, convict us, stir us, give us fresh fire and passion so that that good news again becomes so good to us we couldn't even help but show and share Jesus with those around us. I want to see Christianity Today's statistics bow to the reality that God wants to do in and through Cornerstone Church. 
I'm not preaching down, even though I'm on a platform. This message is for me as much as it is for us. And there is a passage that I want us to look at that I think gives several key dynamic points that illustrate what it might mean to be reawakened with an evangelistic fervor and desire to show and share Jesus with those around us. Are you ready for the ride? This side's really ready for the ride. How about this side? We get, we're ready for the It's in Acts chapter 8, if you want to turn your Bible there, starting with verse 26. Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 26. Now, obviously, there's a guy's name there, so let me give you a 30-second, who is Philip? Is that okay if I do that? A 30-second... Two chapters earlier, you don't have to go there to reference it. The gospel is growing and spreading. The church is exploding and multiplying in and around Jerusalem. And because so many people are coming to faith, how many know that people, people come with baggage, hurts, wounds, needs, etc.? Just shake your head at me because it's true. All of us do. Someone say, all of us do. Look to your neighbor and say, you come with some of that stuff too. Thank you. Someone's being honest in the house of the Lord today. So because the gospel is exploding, and how many know when people who are far from God are ravished by the love of Jesus, they don't necessarily drop all their bad habits and lose all their baggage overnight, although they can and some do, but how many know if we want to take this evangelistic mantle to be people of good news that show and share Jesus, there will be inevitably messes as a result of it, and I want to say we're going to be okay with it. And so as the church is exploding, there's... Stuff that bubbles to the service like racism and prejudice and um, overlooking certain people because of the side of the street they were from. Anyone ever heard that, you know, there's, the problems have not changed. And so what's happening in Acts chapter 6 is the gospel's moving and now there's so many widows, both Greek widows and Jewish widows, that the Greek widows were saying they were being overlooked in the food distribution line. And the apostles, the original 12 disciples with Matthias, those that were mandated to declare that they were witnesses of Jesus' death and resurrection, and they were charged with the mandate to go into all the earth and proclaim to every creature under heaven that Jesus Christ is Lord. So those guys were so focused on their calling with all of this new inundated stuff because new people were coming, they realized we could easily get derailed from our main calling just taking care of food lines. That was not to belittle food lines, not even in the part. How many know that every part of the body is equally as important? I need to say that again because we don't actually believe it. We think if your platform, you have a pedestal, and I'm telling you, according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that Jesus himself has placed every member in his body exactly the way he wanted them to be. 
And Paul tells us, he has the audacity to say, lest you judge those who you deem to be more valuable by the flesh, I'm telling you, those that you deem as worthy of less honor in my eyes actually are worthy of greater honor. You can look it up yourself in 1 Corinthians 12. So it's not to say these men, these apostles, looked down on taking care of people. They just knew they had a very specific calling. And I want you to know everyone in this room has a very specific calling. Here's all I want to highlight, and I want to get into our story, is this. The men, the, the apostles in Acts 6 said, we need to raise up some people to take care of this. But here's what I want you to understand. They didn't just look for warm bodies. Come on, everyone show me your pulse. They didn't. Who's going to take care of tables? Who's going to take care of the widows who need the food distribution? Who's going to work out this mess and you know, wrangle this thing in? They didn't just say, give me the next warm body. Give me the, you know, someone who has a pulse and barely. They said, those who lead in any capacity in the church, let them be full of faith in the Holy Spirit. You have to see that, beloved, because we can't do anything in the kingdom apart from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So who's going to take care of the food lines? We in the natural mind would think, oh, just let's hurry up and get someone. But in the kingdom's perspective, everything becomes an opportunity to see and bear witness to the inbreaking reign and rule of God. Everything. Food lines or planting churches, everything is meant to bear witness to the reality of Jesus and his lordship. That gets me pumped up. So if you are here today and your passion is hospitality or, or welcome ministry or connect ministry or you're, a, you're a, a journey group leader or you're thinking about perspectives or you, you like or you're a prime timer, I want you to know it doesn't really matter but that you hear God and you realize that to pull off what he's calling you, you're going to need to be full of faith in the Holy Spirit. That's what matters. And so one of the seven who were full of faith in the Holy Spirit, a table waiter, was Philip. A table waiter, which goes to say, comma, we can learn lessons from everybody. Let me say that again. Philip's one of the seven that the apostles chose to take care of the food line. And now Philip's going to school us a little bit on how to operate in hearing the voice and then being an evangelist. Come on, somebody. Every single person in God's family is invited to be a full participant in that kingdom. Every single one of you, there are no sideliners, there's not like a B team, A team, every person in the body has the potential and the possibility to be used mightily and powerfully of God. Now if you don't want to be used by God, you're in the wrong faith because God in Christianity furthers his cause on the earth through his and with his people. He's not looking. God in heaven does not have a ginormous roll sheet just hoping I can just get more people to sit, more people to sit. No, he's enlisting an army for this end-day harv end-time harvest to be a part of something that, something that we long to be a part of if we're silent enough. So that's the intro. Hurry up. It's way too long. So that's Philip. He's a man. He's a man. Someone say, full of faith. And the, Holy and the Holy Spirit. One more time. He's full of faith, full of faith. and the Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit. That's Philip. That's who we're going to read about. Amen. And so what happens is this. Last bit of precursor. 
that even though the church is growing, sometimes the church needs help, even in her growth, to get out of their comfort and into new fields of fruitfulness. What was happening in Jerusalem was they were happy about their numerical growth in and around surrounding Jerusalem, but God, how many know, told them through his son Jesus, you're going to go into all the nations. Are you tracking with me? So what I'm saying is there is a place where we can celebrate numerical growth and excitement, but I want you to know God always has nations in mind. God always has beyond us in mind, with us, in us, and beyond us. And so what happened, what was happening in Jerusalem is they were pumped. Man, we're growing. We're growing. And then there's an unleashed, a persecution. And it's only as persecution is released, they finally start to obey the, nas- the nation's call. How many know, I don't want to wait till persecution to just begin to walk in what God has called me to do in Jesus. I don't want to wait until it hits the fan or where there's no other choice. I'm telling you, usually that's what it takes for us to walk in new realms of fruitfulness and faithfulness and power. But I want you to know, it doesn't have to be. We can choose by saying yes to the prodding and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But typically it doesn't happen that way. I'm sorry. It didn't happen for them, and many times it doesn't happen to us. It usually takes a catalytic moment. So persecution is unleashed against the church, and all but the apostles are scattered throughout the world. How many know that even persecutions are not, they're they're setbacks in the natural eye, but they're setups. They're setups if we'll do it in the kingdom's perspective. So Philip, the reason we're even reading about him, because he was one of the guys in Jerusalem who was scattered because of persecution. Are you tracking with me? That's Philip. Hurry up. Here we go. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over. He heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into his carriage and sit with him. I love this story. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and he received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or was the prophet talking about someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, this is the best story, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? (laughs) He, He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip 
away. And the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So, okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to make some comments. You can just walk with me. Go back to the beginning of that passage. Um, there's just some very important, if you're taking notes, please do. If not, all of these notes will be on our website. You can download them from our resource page under the message, okay? But I think there's some very practical steps here in which all of us can grow in this area of reigniting a passion and a desire for the gospel to spread to those around us in our life. All in favor, say amen. amen. The first thing I want uh, to say is this, is that Philip, um, he went. Someone say, he went. He went. How many know that um, it's, it's really hard? Many of us take the posture of, Lord, I'm just listening. I'm waiting for that next word. And I want you to know that, yes, sometimes God speaks in that context. I know, wait upon the Lord, renew your strength. But I'm telling you, most of the time, God wants to hit us as we're on the way to obeying what we already know. Most of the time, he'll bring nuance when we're on the way or when we are going. Now, again, why is Philip going? Because he had a mantle to go into all the earth and to preach and demonstrate, declare, show and share Jesus. I want, so point number one is that he is going, he starts out, he is willing, he is eager just to obey what he knows. And I'm telling you, we could stop right there and we could see things happen in our lives that we've been stagnant or dreaming would happen just with that one point. Go. Go. Go where? Go where you know until you know more. Flat out, he goes. He wasn't stagnant. He was en route when God surprised him with an opportunity along his path. Point number two, you will certainly find God leading you in your everyday rhythm, but you also need to know sometimes he wants to upset your normal patterns because he's setting you up for something special. No, Listen, Philip, there's no way he needed to go down to the desert road. He didn't need to go down there. He was having a very fruitful ministry in Samaria. Many were coming to faith. God was releasing signs and wonders. But I want you to know, many of us, in the name of rhythm or comfort or just familiarity, we miss out on opportunities for God to use us because we're so attached to the rhythm that we're not able to listen, go down south another way than you thought you needed to come. And so, point number two, sometimes our normal pattern, I might say many times, needs to be aware to what God is doing or we'll get stuck in predictability and we'll miss the promptings of the Lord. Amen. Let me say that again. Many times we can get stuck in predictability and we'll miss the promptings of the Lord. Amen. Going on. So he goes. He goes south. He listens and he does what he knows. You may think to yourself, Chatty, that's not fair because he got an angel. And we're just going to skip that because that is a little bit unfair. <laughs> he got an angel telling him what to do. But I want you to know what Philip didn't have, you and I do, Amen. scriptures. They didn't have a New Testament. There was no leather-bound 55 translations downloadable on every smartphone and app. I'm telling you, yes, he got an angel of the Lord, but did you know you hold in your hand or on your device what many hundreds gave their life for it to be passed down from generation to generation to generation so that we could read the story of redemption as it's unfolded throughout the ages? So you may not have an angel telling you go south, but you've got the word and you've got the mind of Christ. You are adopted. You know his voice because you're his sheep and he's your shepherd. 
The point being, just start out down the road. Someone say, just start out down the road. Just go with what you know until you know, no, until you know more. Come on, somebody. Do not pigeonhole yourself. Point number three. I doubt that Philip at this point had any ministry or fruit or authority with Ethiopian people from the you know, uh, Old Testament Cush. I doubt he would, was expecting to meet a eunuch in the queen's service on his road. And so point number three is do not pigeonhole yourself to think of those that God might want to use you with. How many know that every person is unique, but that the Spirit of God knows the way to every person's heart? So don't discredit those around you by their skin color, their economic status, or their education prowess. Yeah, don't pigeonhole yourself, man, because that person might be the one God's sending you to. That's good preaching. Point number four is that people are spiritually hungry. Here is a eunuch. We don't know much about this guy, but he was not from Israel, okay? But he was a worshiper. I want you to know God has men and women from every nation who are ready, who are eager to worship the one true God, but they don't know who he is. But there is a hunger that God in his sovereignty has released over the whole human race for longing for meaning and purpose and significance. Everyone's trying to ask, which hill do I need to climb to get there? The Christian faith is that there is no hill. He came down the hill to save you and to bring you into relationship with himself. Point number four is that people are already spiritually hungry around us. Remember, we're talking about how to grow in evangelism and evangelistic fervor. You and I, we never bring God into a situation. He's already before us. He's gone ahead of us. And people are hungry. Even those who don't think they're hungry, I promise you they're hungry. Show me their bank account and show me their calendar. and I'll tell you what they're hungry for. How they spend and where they go. Every person is hungry. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. So Philip ran. Someone say he ran. So point number five is that listening to the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Duh, I know. But I don't care how elementary it is. The second we think we don't need to have a listening posture, we'll get out into waters that he hasn't promised us we can walk on. You got to listen to the Spirit. So even though the angel said go, Philip still had a listening, humble posture waiting for what the Spirit would say next. How many know we're meant to be led by the Holy Spirit, which the implication is he is out ahead of us and we're following. We're, come on, that's good preaching. To follow. Listen to the Holy Spirit. There is no mold the Holy Spirit knows when, where, what, how, and when, and who, in any given circumstance, we, um, the only thing we develop with some tangible skills is to just listen to his prompting and his direction. And I love this, point number six. We're doing so good. There's not very many points. We're almost there. I want to say that he obeyed by running. He obeyed and he ran. Now, some of us can't run, but you can run on the inside. 
I'm telling you many times when we lose it in the battle of will I obey or will I not obey is because we go into the battle of I wonder if I have an option here. Is there another way? Is there somebody else he wants to send? Is there some way other than what you're, I'm telling you obeying doesn't get easier the longer you wait on it so you might as well run in it when he says it. Boom. Run in it when he says it. Even if you hear wrong, you will not regret regret thinking about obeying the Lord. If love is your aim and obedience is your heart, even if you didn't discern right, ha ha, have a good laugh and just try again. He ran with what he obeyed. There is no substitute. He ran, I love this, Look at, the, look, at the, look at the language there. He ran in order to walk beside the man. So what was Philip's great strategy? Come on, someone say that louder. Someone had the right answer. He learned 25 steps to sharing his faith with a postmodern culture generation. He... He asked a question. How many know that people get this a lot with Christianity, but not a whole lot of this? And if we led with this, there might be a whole lot more of this open to what we have to say, but we got to ask some questions first. He went, the angel told him, the spirit told him, and he didn't go, and he even ran. He's like, and then he walks beside him, and his first thing is he asked. You know why asking is so significant? It's a humble posture. It is a posture of, I'm not coming just to give you something. I actually care genuinely about who you are and what you're going through. I'm telling you, man, if we would lead with the question and we would run at the sound of what we think he's calling us to, and then we would just walk it out seeking to ask seeking to serve, seeking to discern what's going on with the person he's sending us to love, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit might just unleash a catalytic chain of events that end in baptism. His grand strategy was to ask a question. Do you understand what you're reading? There's no telling to what God would do if all of us know-it-alls and experts became inquirers of people's lives, questions, struggles, sins, and hurts. The Spirit said go over, and he walked. He didn't go over and preach. He went over, not with three points, he went over and he walked. I'm telling you, it's time we begin to walk alongside those who are not in faith yet with the sole purpose of listening, posturing to ask, and to love. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit knows how to unlock hearts to receive the gospel. This is good preaching. Remember, Remember, look at this, and look what happens when we walk with, beside, and when we lead with questions. What happens? Come up here and sit in my carriage with me. Come on, dude. What happens when we go humbly, Gordon, and lovingly, and we lead with questions, not as know-it-alls, but as inquirers? I got, I got, a, I got space in my carriage for you. Come on. I was already up in Jerusalem worshiping. Now I'm headed back home, but, but no one's sat in my carriage yet. I mean, maybe. 
Obviously, if he's going to Jerusalem to worship and he doesn't already know about who the prophet's talking about, someone in Jerusalem never inevitably told him about Jesus. Are you tracking with me? This guy's coming home from Jerusalem, the hotbed of revival where the church is exploding, and yet even in that context, there's those who've not heard. So he says, Philip, he urges, come on, somebody. What if evangelism wasn't the church going like this? Gosh, I'm going to share my faith. And it was the people out there were so hungry, they were urging us to come up and to sit with them. I like that better. Come on, somebody. Who likes that scenario better? Come and sit with me. Okay. So good. Asking questions. He didn't go as the answer man. He went as the asking man. Asking communicates value. Asking communicates honor and respect. And it gives you more to work with when you ask questions. You know why? Because even for believers and unbelievers, the mouth is going to say what the heart is full of. So asking questions is a way for the Holy Spirit to give you more to work with with that person because you're actually getting a, 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 a it's, it's, um, it's an overflow of what that, what's in that person's heart. Are you tracking with me? That's a really significant point. If questions are our first, and how are you, and what are you going through, and have you ever thought of that those are all opportunities for people to speak out of their true condition? And I may know that it's when we come to the truth of where we are, and when we meet the truth who Jesus is, that's when there's freedom and salvation. So by asking, you're giving people a chance to bear witness to the current state of the situation of their inside. The passage of scripture, it, wasn't, it was like totally unfair because the guy was reading the most important, maybe Old Testament passage in the whole Bible about the lamb and about Jesus. You go to the next slide. The lamb's, you know, silent and this, 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 he was humiliated, received no justice. He was taken from the earth. The eunuch, I mean, set Philip up for a grand stinking slam. He's talking about the suffering of Jesus. I mean, that's like an easy one, sort of. But I want you to know this. That he shared the gospel in light of what the eunuch was reading and inquiring about. I want you to know that when we meet people who have questions about obscure passages, or I want you to know that the overwhelming arc and direction and bullseye and aim of all of Scripture is to the person and work of Jesus Christ. So it didn't matter what passage the guy was reading, Jesus says, all of Scripture bears witness and points to me. Now, this is where some skill. So we're, we're talking about growing, and yes, it's not all asking questions. We need to be equipped on how to read the Scriptures with a Christocentric or a Christ lens where we see him leaping off every page. Are you tracking with me? Jesus himself said, these scriptures you try to memorize in John 5, 39 and 40, you think that in them you have life, but all of them are actually pointing to the one who is life, namely to me. I don't have time to go into that point, but the point is that we point people to Jesus. Someone say that. We point people to Jesus. We don't sit I'm telling you, very little fruit has ever come about by arguing some obscure whatever. The book is about Jesus. It is all pointing to Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. Jesus is. 
And so no matter what people out there are reading or thinking, I'm telling you, you will never err if you ask and you humbly love and you walk alongside and then you respond to their act of hospitality and you sit with. But no matter what happens in that exchange, you get the privilege of pointing them to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that the gospel really is the good news for every person, no matter where they're at. The gospel also speaks to every single reality that every person is currently going through. Chatty, what do you mean? Does that mean everyone's thinking about Jesus? No. But everyone is believing some form of news, and everyone has some vision of what the end or the goal of their good life is, and that every one of those, if they're outside of and not attached to and anchored in Jesus, ultimately leads in death. Therefore, every issue is a gospel issue. My money, my time, my treasures, my me, 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 everything is attached to people out there. The real issue is the issue of worship. Every issue. The guy who loses his family because he works 80 hours a week because he's hoping for the double car, the double, that's a gospel issue. It's not just he's consumeristic, it's he's looking to other things to be God and fulfill his life. So even though this guy was reading Isaiah's passage, no matter what we hear out there, it always comes back to the gospel. What are you believing in and hoping for? And we have the privilege of saying, man, even if you get what you hope for, then what's next? What's next? And if we know anything from history, there's always something next, and then there's always something next, and it's a perpetual cycle that literally has no end because it's only in and through Christ, who is life, that the thirsties, the thirst of our soul is ultimately and definitively quenched. The living water, the living bread. It's all about the gospel. What are you looking to? Your job, career, money, stuff, status, pleasure, happiness. Everyone has a vision of the good life. So everything connects to the good news that in and through Jesus is the life you actually long for. I love it. C.S. Lewis, the infamous quote. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. The good news is that Jesus is not just interested in one part of your life. He wants to give you an entire home life makeover, give you his life, and that everything in your life is now seen in light of who he is. Everything. That's why as believers, our orientation to self, to others, to money, to time, to treasure, to my gifts, to my abilities, everything shifts and begins to revolve around no longer me, but the Lord of my life. His name is Jesus. Everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. As they rode the, some water, look, there's some water. <laughs> Why can't I be baptized? There's so much prophetically that's happening here, Isaiah 56, where eunuchs, those who are crushed, who are deemed unclean, are going to be called by a name better than sons and daughters. I want you to know this Point number 12, wherever we're at, is that the gospel's for everybody. It's for the unclean. It's for the unworthy. Those who don't have the right hole punched on their pass into the thing, that the gospel is for every person, man, woman, boy, and child, in this city and in every nation and all the earth. Why can't I be baptized? He's not just saying, I want to be clean. He's saying, I want to be a part of family. Baptism is a community thing. It's not a me, private thing. 
Why can't I be a part of God's family? And I want you to know that everyone can and is invited to be a part of God's family through Christ. That's good stuff. So they went down and they baptized him. And he was happy and then the spirit took him away. Philip believed that the time was now for the man to respond to Jesus. Every one of your encounters out there will not end in baptism. I mean, unless you're like amazing. And praise God, I wish it would. But every person we encounter can leave loved. When Hal came and he talked about the Greek, the background of baptizo, one of them was to dip cloth and ink until what was white becomes the color that you dip it in. So how many know that even if they don't get baptized and maybe they don't come to faith right away, you can still baptize them, man, in the love of God. You can still baptize and immerse them in the mercy of God. You can baptize and immerse them in generosity and hospitality, kindness and love. You can immerse them by pursuing relationship with them for no other reason but that God loves them and he's for them, you're for them. You can baptize them. Come on, somebody. So there's questions to reflect on. Where is God sending me? Right now, ask the Holy, where, where, what road am I walking on? Don't look at me, look to him. What, these are reflection questions. What road am I on right now? South, north, east, west? What path does he have me on? Ask him. Did anyone, did he show anyone anything? Raise your hand if he did. What road you're on? It's good. I hope everyone knows what road you're on. <laughs> Think about those everyday rhythms in your life right now. Ask the Lord, show me those patterns, those rhythms. God, where are you moving in those? Just do work with God right now. Where are you moving? Where are you already active? Ask him, Holy Spirit, how might you want to interrupt me this week in some of those rhythms and give me new orders? How, Holy Spirit, how might I listen to you better this week? Discern where you're leading and guiding. Another great question. Where are the people in chariots in my world? Where are people migrating and congregating? Where do people hang out? Where, where is conversation more likely to happen? Ask the Lord, even in your life, you have friends that maybe are far from God, but they love you and they're inviting you into your chariot. Just begin to thank and pray for them right now. God, reveal Jesus to them. Those chariots that you already have access to because of your relationship. Just begin to invite the presence of God in that place. A wonderful question. Do I have an urgency to show and share Jesus with others? If not, why? That's a good question. Yes. You might have to go do a little homework, because I am this week. Lord, why is there not a desire? Why? Am I believing the good news, or am I hoping in something else other than you? Come on, somebody. Lord, can you renew that fervor in my life to see others come to know you? Do I see Jesus as the climax, the aim of the scripture? If not, Lord, how can I get equipped 
and start this week to begin to see you everywhere? What resources, what websites, what journey group? How can I begin to, like Philip, connect who you are and what you've done with the whole testimony of Scripture? These are just good questions. They'll be on our website. And maybe ultimately, am I sensitive to the prodding and prompting of the Holy Spirit? Or am I so wrapped up in my thing that I got no margin in my life to hear? To hear. And maybe right now, I just want 30 seconds of silence. Grab your smartphone, grab your journal. I don't care. Respond in some capacity right now to the Lord. I asked five or six questions, I gave you 12 points. What is the Spirit, what is He pulling you to, convicting you of, revealing to you right now in this room? Take 30 seconds, just write it down, a thought, comment. He's speaking. Ask the Lord, are there any barriers, are there any obstacles that you need to to tear down Jesus? Anyone write anything? God speak to you. Just nod your head at me. Shake your head. The Spirit's moving. I want to say one more thing, and then we're going to pray. And and if you need prayer, we're going to have a a ministry team after. But here's what I want to say is this, that later on in in Acts, um, I believe chapter 21, Philip is called Philip the Evangelist. And what I want to say right now, especially in the realm of evangelism, is it's a realm of the Christian walk that many of us can beat the snot out of ourselves because we don't think we're good enough. Come on, am I talking to anyone today? I want you to know there are some people who are literally gifted, Ephesians 4 and Acts 21, with the gift and the mantle to be really, really good at being evangelists. Okay, that's scripture. So if you were ever told everyone is supposed to be an evangelist, everyone's meant to do the work of sharing and showing Jesus, but some are actually gifted in grace with the mantle to be evangelists. I'm just trying to help you. First Timothy 4, I've, there's other passages. So Philip is an evangelist, so he might be way better at things than we ever will, but everyone can do the work of evangelism. Someone needs to hear that. Everyone can do what I modeled today. Ask questions. Walk, run when he says go. Are you tracking with me? Everyone can do that. That is within the, the realm of possibility when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? And so I I hope that you're so encouraged and you're going to go back and read this story and maybe listen again online and look at the questions that I'm going to post because I am convinced that there are eunuchs all around us with questions who are waiting for people to hear and to walk alongside, to get up in their chariot and to demonstrate and announce that the one they're aching and longing for, he has come, his name is Jesus. I'm convinced here, near, and everywhere. There's people. 
Let's stand up. I want to bless us. It's good stuff. Thank you guys for being so attentive. Were you, were you glad for the word today? It's good stuff, man. I've been sitting on this one a long time, and finally it's time. So right now, I just want you to, just if you can, just lift your hands. I want to, I want to ask. Come on, I just, just begin to ask, Holy Spirit, I want, a, and I want a new fire and love for you, Jesus. Just right where you're at, just begin to ask. It's okay. In the scripture, if you're like, why do we have to raise our hands? Well, 1 Timothy 2 says, lift up holy hands in prayer. So if you need a verse, there's your verse. And it's a legitimate verse. Lift your hands in prayer intercession. So right now, I want our body, our church to cry out for a collective hunger to see people experience life in Jesus Christ. Can we do that? Just right now, just begin to cry out, to pray. Come on, somebody. Lord, we ask for a new hunger a new vision, a new passion in our life to see those far from you come to faith. Come on, right away, just begin to ask him. A desire, a hunger, a zeal, a passion, a fervor. Come on, somebody. We ask for an anointing, Lord, that the, that the good news would become so good to us we could not help but hold it, hold it, but give it away. We couldn't keep it to ourselves, God. So we lift up holy hands in prayer, Jesus. Asking you that you would pour out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one who makes us witnesses. We don't do this in our own flesh and strength. It's a work of the Spirit. It's the work of the grace of Jesus. So Lord, we're asking that you would do that in us. We ask that our body, that we would see hundreds and hundreds and thousands come to faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you'd give us a greater vision than being comfortable and cozy. I pray you'd give us a greater vision than just being happy that we're saved. Father, would you light a fire in our hearts to see many, 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 many people here, near, and in the nations come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would do it, Lord. We are not satisfied with where we are. You've got to take us to new heights and new places in you. And so, Lord, we lift up our holy hands, holy because of the blood of Jesus, nothing else. Holy because of the blood of Jesus. But, Lord, here we are. Send us. Send us this week. Send us this week. Come on, somebody. Say, send me this week. Send me down the road. Send me by the eunuchs. Send me by the chariots. Send me, Lord, wherever I go this week. Give me eyes to see you. Lord, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to care about what you care about. And it is your will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance and faith in the knowledge of God revealed through Jesus Christ. Father, would your desires today become our desires? Enough is enough. The boat and the car and the stuff, Lord, we just cast all of our perceived hopes and we place them in you, Jesus. You are our reward. You're our aim. You're our ambition. You are our desire. Lord, we pray that you would build and establish a house that no man could crumble. Would you build and establish a people who are anchored and tested? to Jesus Christ himself, that we would rally around this one big fiery center, that Jesus would be exalted in all the earth, that every man, woman, boy, and girl would experience the beauty, the love, the grace of our King, Jesus Christ.
Christ, we cry out, Lord. We cry out, Lord. There is no hope apart from you. There is no hope apart from you. But you are our hope at Cornerstone Church. You are our hope. We're not trying to build a big thing for our own glory. We want to be an army that's sent out to sent out to see the glory of Jesus Christ revealed in all the earth. And so, Lord, we ask that you would shift this place. You would shift our gaze, shift our focus, Lord. We thank you for the past, but we're pressing on. We are pressing forward. We are pressing forward today to where you're calling us to. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I've got more for you, says the Lord. Will you say yes? Will you follow me? Let's do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know how to dismiss. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Lord. If you, if you need to respond, I, I'm not going to dismiss the service, but if you need anointing and you really do, you want to be baptized today in the, in the fire and love of God, I just want you to come. Those of you, just come. I, some of you need to come. I see it. Let's just come. Let's go after it together. Come on up. If you want to be baptized with fresh fire today, with the love and power of Jesus, he wants to do it. Come on. He wants, he responds to hunger. Come on. The Lord is moved. The Lord is moved by hunger. The Lord is moved when he sees us not be excited about stuff that doesn't matter, but about what does matter. It moves his heart. It moves his heart, beloved. It moves his heart. It moves his heart. It moves his heart. If you came forward, just right where you're at, just tell him what you want today. You have not because you ask not. You're not asking with wrong motives if you came forward to this altar call. You're asking from pure motives because you want Jesus to be your magnificent obsession. You came forward because you want Jesus to do exceedingly abundantly more in you so that he can do exceedingly and more abundantly through you. And so if you came, come on, just cry out to the Lord. Someone have some courage today. Come on, somebody. Just ask the Lord, what is it you need him to do in your life? What is it you're desperate for this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Yes. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Consume it all. Consume it all, Lord. Consume it all. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. God wants the barren woman to rejoice. The Lord just showed me. He wants the barren woman to rejoice. McCall or Michael, however you say it, Saul's daughter was barren because she despised the passionate worship of David. And if that's you, if you've despised, but you want God to cause your barren womb to bear fruit, he wants you to bear fruit today. If you despise passion and hunger, he wants to come into your life and take your barrenness and put hunger in your heart. Right now, the Lord says, I want to turn Michael's 
right now, or McCall's, however you say your name, into a fruitful vine for my kingdom. Come on, somebody. So, Lord, I just speak to the barrenness. I speak to the barrenness because of offense or hurt. I speak to that barrenness. I say, Jesus, in your name, a total transformation of our inside, a total transformation, God, where we misunderstood or we said or we whatever, God, turn McCall's, Lord, into fruitful vines for your kingdom today. We just declare in Jesus' name that a season of barrenness is over. Come on, the season of barrenness is over. The season of barrenness is over. More are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband because you're married and yoked up with the Lord Jesus himself. And so, Father, come on, somebody. Lord, the season of barrenness is over. It is over. It is over. It is over. It is over. over. A wonderful, fresh season of fruitfulness is at hand. A season of fruitfulness is at hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's a season of sending and launching. Come on, if you have a pioneering spirit, can you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Raise them high. You have a pioneering spirit. You know you have a call. There's many hands that are raised. Come on, raise those things high. A pioneering. Lord, we ask that this would be a season of great launching right now for every pioneer in this place. Many, many hands are raised, Lord, too many to count, that, Lord, this would be a place where those who are pioneers and catalysts would have home to go from and return to, but that they would be released to know that they are free to be launched, free to run and to explore new territory, free to run and to have adventure, free to pioneer new fields for the glory of Jesus. Lord, we just release and we thank you for the many, many, many pioneers in this place. We say you are not a mistake. You're not meant to fit, but you are made for family. Don't ever mistake the two. You are made for family. You are made for family, but you are meant to pioneer. And so, Lord, we bless the pioneers in this place. Those with that entrepreneurial, apostolic, sent call. We ask that you would fan that thing into flame today, Lord. Fan that passion and that pioneering spirit into flame. I pray for churches to be planted. I pray, Lord, for missionaries to be sent. I pray for businesses to be started. I pray for inventions to be invented. Father, I pray for new strategies to overcome poverty, to be released to the pioneers. I ask God for those who are called to government to be anointed and called so that they can rule with righteousness and justice, God. I pray for the pioneering spirit right now to just increase in this place, to increase in every hand that is raised and every single heart that longs for what is on the other side, that longs for the great frontier. We ask God that we would see the cornerstone, little old cornerstone, paint the globe with pioneers who are sent to bear glory and honor to Jesus Christ himself. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, pioneers. We bless you with the call. We bless you with the call. Right now, I ask for dreams and visions, Lord. It's in the scriptures, so it's in bounds for today. So, Lord, release it over these pioneers, I pray. New endeavors, new ideas, new fields, new strategies to bring forth the gospel and where it is not currently being manifested. We ask, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just want to pray, mothers and fathers, raise your hands. If you, if you have a call to be a mom or a dad, raise them high. Come on. How many know little infants need mommies and daddies? Come on, let me say that again. Infants, and how many know when you're born again, you're born as an infant, not as an adult? Come on, somebody needs to hear that. It's one thing for God to bring an increase and in many to be born again, but if there ain't parents to love, nurture, and care for them, it's going to be tough. So right now, God, we ask for the anointing of mothers and fathers to be released. Those who have hands raised, mothers and fathers to be anointed. Father, I pray that we would be in a season where you would take biological parents and make them spiritual parents. Come on, someone pray that. Biological parents into spiritual parents. Come on, Ken, pray into that out loud. Ken, pray into that. Come on. Come on. Woo! Come on. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.